This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, how's it going? I'm Captain Jason Stock, and I'm on the Tom Rowland Podcast. Jason, what's going on? Not much, man. Just kind of windy today. I was actually down at the boat doing a little housekeeping and a little magic eraser tidy up. And uh, yeah, I'm back at the house chilling for a second. And- We'll see some uh, conversation about fish. Yeah, man. So, um, tell me about uh, your fishing and what, you, how, what you do and what you go after and where well, you are. The cool, the cool thing, I'm I'm in the Bradenton, Florida area. Yeah. Um, Anna Maria Island is the pass that I generally go out of or Longboat, uh, but primarily focusing on near shore and offshore reefs and wrecks and natural bottoms, springs. Um, this area, we have a really cool, diverse variety of species. I mean, depending on time of year, like lately, you know, we chatted prior for a few minutes. Um, lately, we've been having nice kingfish, a lot of bonita, uh, amberjack, cobia, you know, goliaths, you know, good big fish for the clients to be excited and stoked about the day, you know? Yeah. And some meat to take home. Right. Tell me about the springs. How are you? What What are you doing with the springs? How do you How do you use those? Uh... Well, the springs. I'm gonna be fishing them a lot, like the next couple of months. Um, they're actually not active. Like this is. I went to a meeting with Moat Marine. So back in the days, like I think it's like ten or twenty thousand years ago, whatever. It used to be land all the way out, like 40, 50 miles, and Florida shrunk. Those are actually sinkholes. So they're basically they're just underwater caves. Huh. And, and, dude, the amount of fish on these springs is incredible. Like, you pull up, there's, like, thousands of amberjack, uh, barracuda, cobia, African pompano, yellowtail, uh, mangrove snapper, mutton snapper, sharks, goliaths. So you just never really know what you're going to get at those spots. Like, Yeah. I mean, we have all- some places like that in the Keys that we target. We've always called them, like, the Blue Hole and other places like Correct. that. But um, they're way out in the Gulf. And you yes. get out there and we, we don't go out there that much because, um, you know, we're mostly inshore guys, but on a nice day, you know, we'll take the 26 out there and that's the boat you're running too, right? The yellowfin 26. I got, I got the 31 now. You got the 31. Okay. Yeah. And you can do a ton of stuff in that boat. I mean, Oh I mean, yeah. The, the great thing about the 30, I like, I kind of outgrew the 26 cause like even my buddy's like, dude, my buddy, good friend, Cody Chavis. I don't know if you know him. He's up in like Clearwater area, but he's like, he's like my best friend. He's like, dude, it's time to get a bigger one. You're, you're, you're spending <laughs> You're spending 95% of your time way out there. And I was charging it too. But I mean, that 26 is an amazing boat and it's comfortable. But you know, the golf, when it gets gnarly, she gets gnarly quick. Yeah. yeah. It'll be slip bomb and then it'll switch and they're like, uh, we got to run, guys. So we'll fish similar type of areas, I guess, the like what we call the blue hole way out. You'll go out there and, and I guess I should have known that was a spring, but it's just this, like you say, it's like this almost bottomless pit of uh and i guess that's an old spring that's the same type of stuff that you're fishing you have more of those up there actually a sinkhole like so back in the days when it was land it just made like an underwater sinkhole cavern i'll send you a couple pictures like i went to this moat marine uh scientist exhibit and they kind of explained it so basically you have like the the edge of the spring and then it goes below and then it kind of cuts out but they said at the bottom I mean, they'll send like deep divers down there yeah. and like check it out. Like one, they found like a couple dead sawfish on the bottom because I guess at the very bottom of it, they ha- there's not much oxygen. Okay. 
So, because it's so far down. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of kind of trippy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it's totally super weird to even get out there and like you're and and <clears throat> the first time we ever went out there, you know, we we had numbers or whatever. You go out there and you're like, I don't, I don't see anything here. Like, there's nothing here. And then you kind of drift over, and it's like you you just see the depth finder just drop. Like it's like yeah. I think we found it. And then you just keep drifting, and then it comes up on the other side. And um, you know, on a calm day, you'll see all the fish on on the surface. But on on the first day we went out there, for whatever reason, the conditions weren't uh, allowing us to see you know everything floating around and all the cobias and everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's wild those places. I kind of prep my clients when we're pulling up to them like, all right, you guys ready? We're coming up on the critter hole. Like, cause the barracuda are brutal. Uh, you know, the big yellowtail get on them and like the mutton snapper and all that stuff. Like last year, the African pompano fishing was insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, dude, we'd have days where, like, you're like, all right, we got to leave these. Cause you know, you're only allowed to keep two. Right. And you don't want to, you don't want to kill them. Did you have the really get, big ones? Oh dude, we get like the 40 pounders yeah. and stuff like that. But like, you'll get on a hot bite where it's like, you got doubles and triples and quads on African pompano. That's awesome. It was, it was sick last year. So hopefully it's even remotely good as it was last year. It was really good. Like January, February, March. So I'll start playing with those a little bit more. I kind of been nice to them lately and keeping it within like 30 miles lately, but (laughs) we do have some Springs like 30, 35 miles, 40, 45, 50, you know, and there's a couple wrecks and springs in between there. But uh, it was pretty epic, too. In the late May, beginning June, the whale sharks were around this one spring, like 35 miles. Wow. The first day, I found eight of them. The next day, there was two. Next day, there was another two. And they were kind of chilling there and uh, feeding very aggressively. And there was Kobe on them and stuff. Like, the first day, and I was like, I was telling the clients, I was like, all right, guys, like, just keep your eyes open for whale sharks. And they're like, kind of like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, they should be in this zone. And sure as can be, we see one. And I have my mate that's with me. He's back in Hawaii now. He's he's an awesome captain. So he was stoked. He's like, yeah, in Hawaii, they just like hang out. And these were like very aggressively like gorging. And I watched this thing on Nat Geo that said, when the they're feeding like that, they're eating eggs. And you could see the sheen on top of the water. And I guarantee they're eating mangrove snapper eggs because, wow. like, the mangrove snapper spawning in that area. So you got all this organic stuff going on. You got the whale sharks. There was, like, sailfish in there, wahoo, cobia, wow. giant mangrove snapper, red snapper, and all that stuff. So, like, maybe the red snapper was spawning too. But I've noticed that, like, in that late May, June, the mangrove snapper are large and they're spawning. And they're – I mean, dude, you're, you're throwing out, like, large sardines to catch either tuna and you'll have them like 10 pound mangrove snapper eating them on the surface and stuff. Man, that is yeah. awesome. You That's know, one of my favorite fish. I love the mangrove snapper. They're fun. I mean, those big ones, especially where they get all tricky and you got to downsize your leader and you can chum and do like the free line deal in the back of the boat. And that's my specialty. Like, everybody, I'll have everybody on the bottom and they'll, it, I'll teach people how to do it, you know, because it's kind of like a field game and guys get real impatient and they're like, wiggling the rod all over the place. I'm like, bro, just keep the rod still. You feed now your line. When the line goes hundred miles an hour, flip the bail and reel. And you know, they love to do the bill dance and set the hook. And you're like, yeah, settle down. You know, that's <laughs> the exact same instruction that you have to give your kids in the canal behind your yeah. house with a mangrove snapper and you're, you're downsizing everything and, and they don't want to eat regular stuff and you have to, you know, use like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, kind of put the hook in there really oh, yeah. good, feed them all the crust and then drop that in there and wait for the line to go a hundred miles an hour and close the bail. Same, same exact thing. Those, those can be the hardest fish ever, like a canal, um, mangrove snapper, a big one in the canal or, or like what you're talking about. They have incredible eyesight. I think those, they fish. got giant eyes. Like when you look at the big mangroves, you're like, Jeez, dude, your eyeball's like this big. <laughs> yeah, I know, and they are they're smart. They're really smart. They are. So I I love those. That you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. You're talking about the whale sharks eating those eggs on the surface. That's you know, you always I always, you know, heard that fish will have like millions and millions of eggs. Yes. That's that's the purpose. Like millions, because you have a whale shark coming by and eating hundreds of thousands of them at a time gorging themselves you're hoping you get you know a hundred 
to actually turn into fish. <laughs> Correct. And Out then you got millions. the sardines that are eating the eggs. You got, there's a lot of stuff going on. And that's where really when you get into like the whole fisheries and try to understand it. I mean, there's different times of year where these fish are spawning and there's, they, they, you know, some spawn offshore. I mean, I feel like most fish spawn offshore. It seems like the mullet, you know, snooker on the beaches and passes the tarpon go way offshore, like, you know, 90 miles. And mm -hmm. that's crazy. When you see those, you're like, you're like offshore, like 80, 90 miles. And you're like tuna. And then you're like, what? And then you just see the giant school of tarpon just boogieing. When you see that, how, how do you think that they're all on the surface or is that, can you, can you mark them or see? Oh yeah. You thick, mark, like all the way down they're through. They're thick as can be. There's, there's thousands of them. Wow. It's so epic. Like, uh, I've witnessed it a handful of times for sure. And you're just like, what? But like, we know the deal. It's just cool when you visually see it. You know what I mean? Do they bite like that? Do you ever have any? I seen, I seen one guy on uh, the gram got one one day. Like they were, they threw a bait into it. They like limited out a rent snapper, caught a sailfish and hooked a tarpon 90 miles offshore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good day. Yeah. It's a great day. Like you're just like, what else you got? You know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, when you have those days with clients, they're like, is it going to be like that every time you're like, yeah, no, bro, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Well, those, like, those whale sharks, like on the surface, that's a crowd pleaser. I mean, if oh, you could dude. have that every time you wouldn't even need fishing rods. You just, no, it's like, funny. Yeah, I've let's just go out there and look like, at those. I've, I've seen whale sharks out in the Gulf. Probably like, eh, probably like, I probably like 10 encounters now or eight, whatever, but it's, it's definitely special every time. And that relationship that you have with the customer, the clients, they're like, even the one dude that we saw the eight with, it was a husband and wife that are veterinarians. And like, we got done. I like played up the cobia that we had and dude like hugged me. Like it was like, uh, I was like the best man at his wedding when, when we got all wrapped up with the trip. It was awesome. Well, so, you know, there's like epic trips you have with those good clients and customers. It's not just the fishing. It's that memory and relationship that you gain with that person. That's right. And funny thing about some of those epic days like that is that, some of the things that you're talking about, like, oh, dude, that cobia you caught, that's a war that's a lifetime cobia. And and he's like, Oh, he's a whale shark, dude. Like or or, you know, whatever. There's like everyone has like that that one thing that sticks with them and that made the whole day. And then all Correct. the other things are like second place and third place and distant yeah. fourths. But, you know, or maybe it's that his wife got to see a, a whale shark. Maybe that's something yeah. she's always wanted to see. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to put your, you know, we're, we're so close to it a lot of times as a fishing guide that you're thinking, well, that sailfish was, you know, the the longest, the biggest, the, the heaviest one I've ever caught. It's got to mean the same thing to him, but a lot of times it doesn't. Like it's, No, it's about, you're right. It's about the experience that day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a... Do you have ways that you um, you communicate with people before the trip, like to set expectations and? Um... Yeah, I usually I always check in with the customer the night before. That's the way I do it because, like, every you know the deal. Everybody's so fired up. They're like, "What do we need to bring? What What are we gonna catch? What are we?" Do? I'm like, "Bro, let's just let's just look at the weather and we'll make the call." Like sometimes I'll leave later in the day if it's like windy in the morning and calm in the afternoon and work that little window, or you know early and then get back. You know, when you're kind of in that routine of like starting out like 6.30 or 7 and you got everything ready, client shows up, you go grab your bait, and then you go do the deal. Like I always have bait in my pen as like a starter pack, but I also have a first mate with me. We'll throw, we got like a giant 14-foot, you know, heavy half-inch net that will catch the big thread fin or magnum pilchards or sabiki up the uh, – cigar minnows runners or whatever and then kind of have the plethora and then just go all right what do you guys want to do today and then kind of go from there you know obviously certain times of year people get real fired up and they're like all right i want a tuna i want a wahoo i want a sailfish i want a cobia i want this and that and you're like dude did you tell santa claus all that <laughs> I like i like i like hitting them with that one they're like what <laughs> You know, because you got to kind of make it fun and kind of mess with them a little bit, but not try to be a jerk about it. Right. <laughs> you know, just kind of check them and be like, all right, can we just go fishing and see what happens? Yeah. Usually you know? it's the people that have no expectations that, that tend to do the 
best. Like they just want to go out for a nice day of fishing, you know. Uh, that's when you see the whale sharks and a hundred cobias on them and everything. For sure. That's like, that's like oh, I just want to go out and enjoy the day. And you're just like, all right, perfect. I'm in, you know, cause then there's, there's not that pressure. You know, some people put so much pressure on them. Like, bro, you can't like call what's going to happen. I mean, we could try, but generally, you know, I like to achieve goals. So like, I'll kind of be like, all right, what fish you want to try to focus on? And I'll try to focus on that. But like, if you're in that realm, you got options for other species. You know what I mean? Like if they're like, I want to go catch tuna. I'm like, all right, they've been in this area. Let's go check this and check that and kind of keep it moving. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, um, I wonder if, if, if you were a customer, you're going somewhere else. Do you just, um, and I always kind of struggle with this because there are some times where, um, I do want to catch a certain fish. Like we're going to go to a different place. You're going to go to Hawaii or you're going to go to some place where they have a, a fish that we don't have. And yes. it's like, okay, do I focus on that? And sometimes I really want to do that. Or sometimes I really want to focus on that. But a lot of times you get on somebody else's boat and they're like, what do you want to do? It's like captain's choice. What would you do today? Right? Yes, like, that's what I do. Yeah. Like, what would you do? If, what's the best thing that we could do today? And sometimes well, it's it, like, I mean, you're going to find something like that, that you may not have found if you said, well, I only want to catch, you know, uh, giant trevally or something yeah. that we don't have, right? But if if you get, leave it up to them, they're like, well, if it was me, I'd go out and do this because it only Correct. happens right now, and it's fantastic. Correct. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's the best thing to do is communicate with the captain. And it's funny, like, I can be I can be hands-off. Like, I don't try to be like, oh, let me get up in here and tell you how to do it better. And I've noticed that sometimes some captains, when they come out on my boat, they'll try to do that. But I try to respect people's deal you know i've done the bluefin tuna fishing up there in prince edward island canada really nice but yeah Br brian sears was one of the mates on there he's actually flying in tomorrow and the cool thing is he's became such an amazing friend he runs out of boston but he was helping out as like the second mate up in pei and uh me and my wife took a trip from portland maine and drove up to pei canada and we stayed this little bed and bread bed and breakfast deal and i remember it was like a full moon i woke up like you wake up at like four in the morning and it was like blowing like 30 and i'm like <laughs> all right there's gonna be rough so we get down the marina and they're like he, he's kind of like business mode sizing me up so i got lucky i got like a 700 pounder on the kite and then uh and then i got a, like a 1200 pounder and it was rough like it was like eight to ten foot but you're only three miles out Wow. And catch it because they have the the herring. Even he said it, the fisheries changed since then. This was, uh, I want to say this was like eight, eight, nine years ago when I did that. But it was it was one of the coolest experiences. And I've never been that physically exhausted in my life. Like two back-to-back -back big dogs in the wow. chair. Dude, put the heat that, on them. That is unbelievable. What did you, have you, <clears throat> previous to that trip, what, I mean, had you ever seen any, I mean, maybe a yellowfin or something that's pretty big? Like, what was the biggest thing that you might have seen before you go up there? I've caught some big sharks here. We've caught those big hammerheads, like yeah, 15 foot. We landed one of those 15 foot. We hooked one one year. It was like 21 foot long. <laughs> what it, did it, you it think, though, when you saw that, when you saw one of those tuna for the first time? Oh, dude, it's amazing. And even like, you know, my wife was like puking and seasick and she was kind of embarrassed and this and that. And she looks over the side and she literally looked at the 1200 pounder and started crying, like tearing up, like, holy cow. Cause it's like a majestic animal. Right. Yeah. I mean, seeing it in real life and seeing a picture, you know, it's two different deals, just like the eyeball, the tail, just, I mean, it looked like a fake creature cause it's so giant. Yeah. They have so, that. I've seen some of these videos lately on on Instagram and other places where where they're they're throwing chum out there. That, yeah. And 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 those big giant tuna come up and they eat the chum, and and they don't make a single ripple on the surface. And there's like this. It looks like a five hundred, yeah. eight hundred thousand pounder comes screaming up through there, and it doesn't even know. I had a trip. I had a trip that I was going to go. I guess to the same area you were, and it fell through. And I've never been able to to Dude. find time to go back but that is just amazing those those fish so, are so incredible my my buddy that's coming down brian sears i know i keep name dropping but like 
he's the man up there in Boston and like him and his brother and his dad, like Tam tag team it. And they're dialed in. Like really? they got like center console and then they got a down East boat. It's called a, I think it's a Danelle, but it's like, it looks like a lobster style boat, but it's like dialed in. Yeah. And uh, I'll get you his number. You got to chat with him. And he, he's funny. Like he's come fishing with me and he used to be like heavy OCD, like anal with all of his stuff. And like, then you'd come fishing with me and we're fishing for like 10 or 12 different species on the same spot. And I'm just kind of like, when stuff gets crazy, you're just like, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And then regroup and then see like what fish you want to fish for. You know, like he's been with me a bunch. He's like, dude, it's crazy. You know, he'll want to bring all the fancy stuff. I was like, let's bring a kite. Let's do this. Let's do that. I'm like, no, bro, let's just throw out a bait. Let's just catch them. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, you know, I'll have like the crabs for permit. So we're fishing for permit, tuna, cobia, snapper, all at the same time on the same wreck or reef that we're fishing. You know what I mean? So was that new to him to have so many of those species or had he? Had oh, he, he, would, he was, you know, he was tripping out. He's like, he's like, bro, he's like, that's what I like about it down there. And he's like, God, but it's funny. He'll complain about the amberjack. He's like, dude, I want no part of those things. I'm like, bro, you catch giant blue and you're scared of an amberjack. <laughs> that you know? that's that is a testament to the amberjack and the reef donkey like oh yeah. i mean if that if if he doesn't want to catch them then who would want to catch them i mean oh, the only like, reason oh. you don't want to catch them for anybody that doesn't understand is they're just hard to fight like you catch a couple and you're like okay that's enough like i think i've had enough what i do in the winter time this time of year is like i'll focus on the real big ones because they come in shallow and I'll catch them. The one I caught one year, uh, we catch them like 90 to 100 pounds. But we had one, I swear, it was like 130 pounds. Jeez. Uh, there was four anglers, and it like killed all four anglers. And we were only in 60 feet of water. <laughs> so I found that the big dogs come in shallow this time of year. And I got the whole puzzle together. It's like a little, a little secret trick that we'll do. And uh, so I'll do that, and I'll kind of establish the safe word with them. And uh, let them, like I had these guys from Green Bay and they were wearing like full Green Bay Packer get up. I was like, what's the safe word? And they're like screaming out. They're like, cheese. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so they, yeah. that's when you, that's when you need a break. That's, yeah, that's when, when they... you tap out. That's when you tap out and you got to pass the rod off to somebody else, but you got to make them like feel bad about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so or funny. they kind of like, or like pineapple, you know, or just make it fun. And, yeah. You know, I had this lady actually recently, this is about a month ago or two, three weeks ago, we were fishing the, a shallow wreck and, you know, we're chumming up, we're catching amberjack and it, I think we lost a couple cobia and whatever. And then we caught like a close to 20 pound black grouper, just random on a flat line, like catching amberjack. But, you know, she tried to tap out on it and then she got it in and we were like, whoa, because, you know, that's like a, they're, they're here. It's just not super common. You know it is. But anyways, uh, there's been more mutton snapper and black grouper up this way after the hurricane. You know, so I don't know if you heard that, like Hurricane, I think it was Ian. Yeah. You know, with that ferocious wind, a lot of fish migrated up here. So we're seeing more black grouper, we're seeing more yellowtail, we're seeing more muttons and stuff like that here. Interesting. That always seems to happen with hurricanes. Not necessarily that happens, but something always seems to change. I've always kind of looked at hurricanes as they're not good for anything man-made, but anything natural, it almost seems to help in a lot of ways. Everything okay on your end? Yeah, sorry. I'm right. just, I, I had the client kind of text me. I'm just like, just let me get, I'm on a deal right now. But uh <laughs> But did you hear about the flamingos that migrated up, yeah, we've up this seen, way? We've seen a lot of flamingos in in uh, in the Keys this year, more so than than ever. And then I posted one on my uh, on my Instagram. You know, there were like like a dozen of them out there. And then people started saying, "Oh, I've seen them here. I've seen them here. I've seen them here." And there were some that were way north, like that people were seeing flamingos way north. Yeah. Um, How many of you? Or do you see yeah, them no, regularly there was right now? No, I haven't seen any, but there's been a couple of friends that have got pictures on the beach and stuff like that. Um, let me just text this dude back. Yeah. That's what happens when you're charter captain in high demand. Yeah. There's no break. There is no break. And I think it's like sometimes like the the frustrating thing 
with some people because they feel like they're the only person. And you sort of like, dude, just pump the brakes for a second. Let me get through this guy. Let me get through this next guy. And just day by day. Like, yeah. even like for people around the holidays, I know they're excited and they're like, are we still good? Uh, December 27th. What time? What time? What time? What time? What time? I'm like, bro, I don't know. Like, let's just, whatever the weather's going to do, we'll figure out a game plan the night before, just like everybody else. But some people just can't handle that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, today you've got like so many <clears throat> different ways you book things, Airbnb, Uber, all of these other things to where you just, you know, you just push a button on your phone and, and it says show up at this exact time. And that's that's how it works. But fishing's a little bit different. Um, how many people do you have that are first time clients at this point in your career? Uh, there's a handful, more people that have been fishing with me a lot over the years. Like I've, I got some like guys that have been fishing with me for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. One of my heavy regulars, he's 92. I used to take him out in a tandem kayak and then I had a skiff I was running at Hell's Bay and then I had a Hanson, another Hanson. And I mean, legit 92 years old. It's like taking weekend wow. at Bernie's, we'll put him in the bean bag. And now he just wants to catch permit. That's it. That's he it. He don't care about anything else. He's like, hey, how's the permit fish? I'm like, it's good. He'll be chilling and, you know, the rod will go off and I'll just like pop out of the bean bag, fight the fish, go back to chilling and just telling stories. That's what I want to do. Pop out of a bean bag at 92. That's That sounds pretty awesome. We got to we gotta help him out. Yeah, like grab him. <laughs> yeah, well, my dad, my dad is 85 and I just took him on a... Um, on a duck and goose hunting trip to uh, Saskatchewan and we were fishing, we were hunting uh, layout blinds and he was, he was good getting in, but to get out, it was a little bit slower. I can see. (laughs) There's no popping out of a a layout blind, but uh, you know, it's, that's what I want to do. Whatever. Go hunting, go fishing, uh, catching permit at 92. Like that's the guy you need to ask the, What's the secret, right? Like, how well, do you they, keep doing. They say this? outdoors. They say outdoors and fishing. Uh, it, another guy had two same thing, but he just passed away. He had that J and H tackle. His name was Harry. Yeah, I don't know if you heard of this guy, but uh, he has a condo in Long, or he had a condo. He just passed away uh, this past year, like I think like six eight months ago. Anyways, uh, same thing. He just wanted to catch permit like all the time. It's funny when my clients get stuck on the permit, they're like, they'll just call me and be like, are they biting? Are they biting? I'm like, yeah, they're biting. And they're like, all right, what day can we go? You know? It's like they're trying to get their fix of permit. They're like, come on. Yeah. Well, it's, we got it's some- a good fish. Like, <clears throat> I would think, you know, they're they're very exciting. They're they're pretty. You don't have them, you don't have them in a lot of different places. Like there's a lot of places where you don't like if you're from North Florida or something, you're not gonna find a lot of them. And then you know they fight hard, but not too hard. Like for for somebody that's getting older, like you don't want the amberjacks anymore. You don't yeah. want like there's probably a whole bunch of things that you don't want. But the permit, you know, it's a pretty predictable fight. They kind of do their thing. They take off running, then they kind of do a couple circles, and here they are. And then they yeah, act the big, like they act like the gentlemen and ladies when you, you. But yeah, they don't try to kill you. But when you get them in, then they act like gentlemen. They're not trying to bite you or yeah, you know. Like those, a cobia those, they, or something like break your leg <laughs> like, yeah you don't have to gaff them you know it's nice it's like yeah it's pretty pretty tame for a you know somebody that's maybe caught a bunch of different fish and they're like well for that's sure the one i like but you know those big 30 40 pounders they just straight work people yeah. you know yeah especially when they think like you know the deal like you see the guy coming real hot on the rod and he's like trying his he's doing it fast you're like slow down slow down you know um you know, they're like, you know, jerking the rod. You're like, all right. Especially those shallow wrecks, they're gnarly. And like some of the reefs that I'm fishing are like a straight minefield of structure because we got the old Skyway bridge rubble out here. Yeah. So how a lot far of out we- is that? How, how far out does that? So we got off our far off Anna Maria, we have the one, three, seven mile north and south reefs. So one mile reefs, amazing. The three mile south, amazing. The three mile north, amazing. The seven mile north, the seven mile south. And those fish just kind of, basically travel from reef to reef according to crab flow and dude we have like one of the sickest crab flushes like Hmm. out of our passes like Egmont, longboat it's full on nat geo and it's fun because you can just go dip crabs with the buddies or with your clients 
And sometimes the customer like dipping the crabs better than the tarpon <laughs> fishing or the permit fishing. Yeah. Well, that's how like, I take my kids fishing, right? When they were little, like it, anything like that. Like we did the jelly ball thing where you, you dip the jellyfish and then you catch the, um, what was that that we were catching those black and white fish, the spade fish. Spade fish. Yeah. yeah that was super fun. The kids love the, they, they like catching the jellyfish better than catching the fish. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. You're good. But like what we talked about earlier, it's like something that might be, not eventful for us because we're so used to it and numb to it is very exciting to somebody that's never experienced it. Right. Yeah. And that, that's definitely, I, I definitely, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back and be like, wow, that is pretty cool, but we're just so used to it. Yeah. You know, it's almost like work, you know, to go get the bait. So we catch the fish. But then when you step back and you look at it, you're like, they, they actually like catching the bait more, especially if well, you bring it, a kid or, oh, yeah. you know, somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience. And then you get to see the whole, the whole, um, you know, the, the, the food, the whole food chain, like, yeah, you know, catch this, well, and then we're going to catch yeah, that. Well, and then we're going to catch that yeah. over there. Yeah. Even my, one of my clients called it Darwinism, <laughs> you know? So like on some of the wrecks, you know, you're catching, you know, you, you sabiki up the sardines, you throw the sardine, you catch a tuna, you know, bonita or amberjack, and then you're fighting it on the wreck. And then you got to worry about the amberjack, eat, or I'm sorry, the uh, Goliath eating more the shark, and then or the barracuda, or all three. So you got that like the full circle right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know when you were telling that but that story about uh, your 92 year old client, you mentioned that you started out in a kayak and and a tandem kayak, and then you mentioned all these different boats. How did you get started? Did you start in a, guiding out of yeah. kayaks? Yeah, uh, I used to have my kayak business. It was called JM Snooky Kayak Charters. So my cousin used to call me JM Snooky because I would go fishing before and after work. I worked in St. Pete, Florida. So I grew up in St. Petersburg and like people were begging me to take them fishing all the time. And I was like, I was going like hardcore, like every day, all day. I'd go to the shop, like I'd work at the kayak shop from like four to seven or three to seven come in hot, sell some kayaks, make good money because I was on commission. So my uncle owned the kayak shop, which he sold to my cousin just recently, and my older brother worked there. So it was a family business. So it was cool, and I would work like, I don't know, I think like before, I left when I was 21 because I, I got on uh, a 43 Cabo and started working out in QS for a couple months. I was like, I don't want to be at a kayak shop. I'd rather just fish it. So that's when I went full time is when I was 21. But right out of high school, I was guiding 18 years old, just taking people out in the kayak. Nice. So, and like in, and then the St. Pete area, you know, down the road, I would have a wintertime snook spot that you go catch 40 inch snook regularly, like every day sometimes, or, or like, you know, little ones to daddies, but like I would go or mamas, I guess you call it the females, but large fish, and then I would go do a kayak trip in the morning, go to the kayak shop. And then if I was real fired up, I'd go again at night and go night fishing too, you know? Wow. <laughs> but, you know, now as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm focusing on, you know, what we briefly talked about, the the reef project. Yeah, and tell me about that. So, you know, I got a, a nonprofit underway, um, got all legit with the 513 and, you know, I'm actually planning an event on Anna Maria, uh, April 21st, and we're going to do like food and drinks and have like three bands and kind of get the whole community engaged. And actually the first project we're doing for this artificial reef is for a guy that was a Island guy. He was like a Cali. We, we used to call him like a Cali frother, but he had a heart attack and died. So it was, it wasn't his wife, but it was like, pretty much his wife. She gave me his ashes and she's like, I know you know what to do. So I started to go fund me and got it up to like six grand from now. And, uh, I'm working with Manatee County on the permitting. So then I got to pay the guy two grand to do the permitting of the paperwork and all that stuff. Paperwork and for what? Materials for, for rain. For, Oh wait, no. What are you getting the paperwork for? So to pull a permit for the spot. Oh, so to like, put an artificial reef. Correct. Okay, yeah. I thought you were having to dispose of his ashes, but you're going. So, so the idea is to put down a, an artificial reef in this guy's honor. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's the plan. We're going to do that. It's going to be uh, basically uh, 22 miles off of Anna Maria, 
we got it all surveyed by FWC. But there's a lot of like, you know, just slower. It's not as fast as what I would like for it to be done. If it was my up to my deal, it'd be we're already up like a million of them out there. But <clears throat> you know the deal. It's a slow and steady process. It's exciting. And uh basically everybody I talk to, they're like, dude, I'm in. What do I have to do? Like, so I figure we'll do like a big fundraising event, kind of get more people engaged and involved. And the cool thing is my brother has a shirt and apparel business. So I have him do my hats, oh, like yeah. the full saying gear. And then I, I have a couple of designs um, that his guy that works for him was able to create. And, you know, I'll come up with different ideas. And the cool thing is I'll just, I, I called him right before, you know, I got on this podcast and, he, you know, it helped me order business cards. And this time of year, you know, I'm kind of ramping up for a season. So I'm putting my, brochures and all the restaurants and places tackle shops and stuff and then you know spreading the merch around with hats and shirts and people feel good if you give them merch yes you give them a, you give them a hat and a shirt and a stack of brochures they're like dude i'm gonna tell everybody yeah for sure that's interesting so, uh, you know how how to navigate charter businesses in this day that we're living in with social media and websites and everything else that you you know they're they're a lot of guys don't do that anymore. They don't go to the to the hotels or to the restaurants or to the to the places and put brochures out. Like you're you're still getting a lot of um, uh, business from that. Oh yeah, like I mean those the social both. You got to kind of do everything nowadays. You got to kind of be willing to talk to people. I don't do as many seminars as I used to back in the days. Those were good. Um, you know, I just kind of the social media is huge. Like the Instagram stuff. Like I constantly just like post pictures and fishing videos, like, and kind of have fun with it. And then when I'm watching my kids, I'll, you know, include them. So I show the personal side, but I, you know, I try, try to show a little bit, like, look, I'm not just fishing all day, every day. I still got to do stuff. Like, even I was just, you know, it's funny to mess with people, but also I keep in touch with people all over the world. Like yeah. I got this kid that was one of my mates and he lives in Aruba and literally, we'll talk almost every single day. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, we chat. He's like, Cappy, what's up? And he's like, I got three Wahoo yesterday. And then we lost a blue marlin. And then I think I'm going to go catch some barracudas this afternoon. And then, like, you know, and then he'll send me a video. Like, you know, they sell a lot of fish to the restaurants there. And, you know, he dives and, you know, does a lot of stuff. But also, he worked with me, came down and chilled for, like, a month. And you know, let him stay at my house and, you know, showed him around. And he was there for like prime time tarpon season. Oh. <laughs> so I tried to get him to come back one year and they called me from the airport. And they're like, what are your intentions with Brian? I'm like, dude, like, he's just coming to stay down at the house. We're going to, well, how much money are you going to pay? I'm like, dude, we haven't even figured that out yet. He's just hanging out. So what? they basically. Is he on some derailed. list? Well, no, they, they wouldn't let him come to Florida. So I had to like to get him to come back. I got to get like a work visa and all that. I'm like, dude, really? Yeah, it was. I was, it was like we a... could go tarpon fishing. <laughs> <laughs> you know the way it is. Like everything's always more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some ways, I'm, I'm like you say. I know what I know the deal on the artificial reef, and I don't actually. So okay. what what is involved in in okay. creating an artificial reef? And certainly, so, a lot of the people that listen to the podcast don't know what's okay. involved. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes I've been learning a lot throughout this whole process and navigating. Uh, the main thing is they don't want to put an artificial reef. Like uh, you have to get it surveyed. So it's not, are not already natural bottom there. Mm -hmm. Right. So you put it on sand with a little bit of rock, but you can't put it on a live active ledge or coral. So what you're trying to do is create habitat. But by doing so, you don't want to you destroy it. And the, the area is a quarter mile by quarter mile zone. So that's 56 acres. Boom. Okay. You got a 56 acre square and you could put that rubble. So the materials that are like certified are concrete and steel. That's it. Hmm. So, and those, and there's actually a really good documentary on, I think it was Hulu or it's called artificial reefs. Okay. And it's pretty awesome because it does educate you. And it shows you all the different reefs all over the world. Like they go into the Keys reefs. 
uh, rotunda, like pretty cool stuff. And they're like, it shows that if you put something that wasn't there, it's teeming with life and you're creating habitat filtration. And for like the save the dive boats, they can go dive a wreck. Right. And then they're not messing with the natural ledge that's nearby. Right. So, and the way like people, this is an argument like I've had with some people Well, you just wanted to be easier to catch fish. I'm like, bro, I got like a million spots that I can catch fish. I just would like to have where we're not all fighting to go to the same wreck and you know, people like throw their hands up and you're just like, dude, this is a public wreck. Like we both can fish it. Right. But, but some people are saying that they're, they're, they're opposed to creating more structure. Well, that, that's just an argument when you have people like, you know, it is like some people are like, Oh yeah. You know, what, why would you want to do that? Oh, uh, you're just going to make it this. And I'm like, no dude. Cause a lot of times, like the best way to describe it is I've heard from commercial fishermen like that around here, like they'll be like, these fish are ta- have tails with no homes. So they're constantly journeying and traveling back and forth. But if you have places where, or like a hub or a, a place where they can frequent different times of year, and sometimes they spawn on that. So you're creating an oasis in the middle of the desert for some right. places. And right. let's face it. I mean, we know that, I mean, I'd say now I probably fish artificial reefs and wrecks. 80% of my career. Wow. Yeah. Like I'll fish natural bottom for a grouper and snapper, but I mean, even we're catching grouper and snapper, obviously on the artificial structures a lot, but you know, I have big ledges and stuff like that where I want to, you know, we get, you know, red grouper, cat grouper, mangrove snapper, red, you know, what I mean? like the whole plethora of species. Yeah. But with the bottom fish being primarily closed right now, you got to kind of get a little creative, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I've, been, I've been doing the kingfish. But it's fish. also good for the, like you, like you say, you know, the, the fish are spawning there. And you're also creating habitat that, that protects them from other predators. And Correct. you have places where, where, I mean, I don't know, it's it seems to be good for everything. Oh, yeah. No, when, when you go down the benefits, like the let's say the pros outweigh the cons, you know, like in, mm-hmm. that's what I've done. I had an argument or a conversation with somebody and be like, how is this beneficial? And you go, well, first off, you got, you know, habitat, you got an economic benefit. So a charter captain or a recreational fisherman can go out and feel good about going to a spot that they know is there and it's public. Right. So it's not anybody's, special spot that's what like everybody gets fired up like oh you know i've been fishing that one for 20 years and you're like cool dude like so have i yeah it's like, you know and when people want to get all bent out of shape on fishing on a private wreck you know sometimes you gotta just let them know you might have to exchange, exchange a few words if they get real real fired up you know what i mean but at the end of the day you gotta be like look dude we can fish this together or you can be a jerk right yeah <laughs> i mean and and you know, the people that know how to fish it together, it's no big deal, right? Like, Correct. like I'm not going to get in your way. You're not going to get in my way. You know, like, which way the current's flowing and what, this, what that person's trying to do because you've been there before. You've seen it. You've been in that same situation. You look over Correct. there and you're like, that guy's in the spot. I'd really like to be there. But we're not going to go. Maybe we can drift behind him and do the same thing he's or, doing. Or I feel like the best way to do it is communicate. Be like, hey, buddy, you mind which side do you want me to slide in on? Right. I'm That's coming in either way. <laughs> Which yeah, way do you I'm coming want to slide in? I'm coming in hot. I'm not not coming in. Right. If I if I'm if I ran that distance to get to that location, I'm gonna do something there. Like you said, creep around the outsides or set up. And I mean nowadays with I use the trolling motor anchors, which do you guys use yes, as well? For sure. Uh, I tell you what, man, I, I got that new one, uh, the power pole. It's been pretty awesome it's it's definitely got some torque i had like a meaty uh bracket on it my buddy made for it and i was fishing last sunday and it actually broke the bolts off whoa so so they're making a meteor bracket <laughs> even even my buddy goes he goes dude you got i oh, gotta make it jason stock proof because you're gonna break it for sure if it's not oh, those, real strong. That, that motor is is the best i've ever seen it's so it's quiet inc- and it's it incredible has so much like, power and if you, you have know, lithium batteries on that too, yes, that's what I got. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like it's a, a game outboard. Like, yeah, it's a game changer. It really is. Like, I mean, 
And again, the efficiency, it's the time management that day. Right. So in, in a day, you can hit, dude, as many spots as you want. And I keep it moving. If we're not catching them, I'm not hanging out. See, that's the big, that's using an inshore is one thing. Like we've, we've used trolling motors inshore for a long time. Correct. Yeah. But using it offshore is totally different because in order to just even go to a place to see if you wanted to stay there in the past, we're dropping 200 feet of anchor line, you know, you're doing all this stuff, you know, you know, like, okay, if they're not here, we're probably going to stay here for an hour anyway, because we just dropped anchor. We're going to have to put the anchor ball out. We're going to have to pick it yep. up. This is going to be a whole operation. It's going yeah. to be me by myself because I've got two 90-year-old clients. Like, Correct. Once you drop the anchor, you're, committed. you're there for a while. Yeah. Right? And and yep. sometimes, you know, you drop it in exactly the right spot, and it all happens great. Everything's great. But that's what I find with these trolling motors is so much better. You can stop. We're here for 15 minutes. Hmm, I don't well, think well, I really like this. Let's go. Yeah. And what I've done for some of the real big fish to land them is I'll turn the trolling motor off and then get off the structure. Yes, for sure. Like like the big permit and big Kobe on the racks. Like yeah. so we hook up like everybody reel their stuff in and I'll just go sometime like full marlin style back out off the wreck, kick them off the wreck and then kind of fight them off in the sand. Yeah. That's that's yeah, the same way for for us with our permit, but I fish the permit on the wrecks in much shallower water probably than you are um, on the like in the areas where we can actually even see the wreck sometimes and yeah. you see the permit on top of it. Yeah. And you can come in down tide to where the permit are facing in to, into the tide, right? So you come up from behind them, you see them, throw the crab in there, you hook one, turn the trolling motor off, and you just ease out of there. Right? Yeah. Without ever yeah. disturbing anything, you're just picking one off the side. And no, you I can do it. that for all day, right? Well, like, that's the fun part about the strategy, isn't it? When you yes. kind of like, when you get it dialed in and you're just like, all right, they're going to be right here. I'm going to creep in and I'm going to do a little sneak on them. They don't even know what's up. And you're like, but even like, say in the springtime, we get the giant schools on the surface where they could be a hundred or a couple thousand and they're all tight and they're finning and they're flashing and doing the deal and they're putting their eyeball out of the water and Love you know yeah. yeah and uh well if you get a couple of boats that get hot on the deal and they're like charging in like too fast or whatever you know they keep spooking them you're like bro like you'll talk to him like hey can you just like settle down or just like chill in one spot rather than come in hot and spook them and then you gotta wait for them to pop back up and get comfortable again right they just don't. They just don't have the experience of knowing that they're, they're gonna come back up. And like if you just Correct. ease in there, or they don't have the trolling motors, right? So, yeah. like, yeah, pretty much, pretty much most of the boys down here all have the trolling motor now. It's really changed the fishery, and I tell you what, for the tarpon fishery, it's changed a lot too. Because, you know, when the fish would get in the past, we'd all just chum them. It's changed year year after year. I mean, dude, when we were fishing Bean Point like ten years ago. We'd catch like 30 or 40 tarpon a day or hook 30 or 40 tarpon. Now you're like a good day is like five or six or whatever. But like, I feel like the fish have just gotten smarter too. You think that? You, oh, heck you yeah. you attribute that like, to the trolling motor or? or well, like- cause like, all right. So when we do it in the past, like say sometimes it'll be like almost like Boca Grand style where there'll be 40 to 50 boats and everybody's staggered and anchored up. But if you get everybody where they're coming in hot and like, getting too aggressive on the fish the fish keep like shifting around yes you're kind of playing like a game of cat and mouse with them and if they're everybody's pressuring them hard they just keep sliding in the past so they'll start out this is generally the scenario of being point in the you know prime time may june and the fish start out they come in the past they'll be on the bar or they'll be in the past at sunrise you can usually get the crab bite first thing get a couple fish or get a double or triple or hopefully you know like we used to take the pressure off as the sun comes up and the tide's coming in, we'll dead bait them a lot of times with like dead thread fins. So everybody will chum them up and you just, you get them like they're like raccoons. So you have all these people chumming and you're just feeding them out. And then I heard that the, the boys were doing that in Key West Harbor yeah, for a long time. You know, it's changed there yeah. too. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at is like the, the fish, the tarpon with the trolling motors do get wise to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can feel the vibration or whatnot, but you know, even when you're beach fishing them, you still got to have that strategy of how you're going to approach them when they're migrating. And then when they stop and they start milling and you're like, all right, guys, this is our shot. Be ready. Watch your cork. And you see the cork go down. You're like real. And they're like looking at the sky and you're like, dude, that was your shot. (laughs) You know, it's the whole reason we are out here. 
yeah and then you're like all right are you like all right guys stay focused stay focused like man we want to catch them like bro you've had four bites i've watched your cork go down i'm the one throwing them handing you the rod every time like you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but but it is fun you know that no it's it's fun the the strategy part i think for us is what keeps us into it engaged interested intrigued and you're always trying to do it better but you can always talk to you know i got a couple captains like i'll check in with be like hey what are you seeing down the beach yeah there's a good flow of fish going north there's a good flow of fish going south i got my bite like an hour ago on a thread fin they've been real technical blah 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 be like they tell you what check this area around this time they should show up there you know the deal it's like good to communicate with a handful of good captains that are dialed in respectful and they're not trying to mess you up right man you know that that goes a long way i mean i think i think today you have to have that you have to have your network of people that that you can that you can communicate with and and even if it's just after the trip like you come in you call your friend you're like hey where were you today they were 100 miles somewhere else well you didn't you have no idea what was going on there until you talk to them and he has no idea what was going on where you were you don't necessarily have yep. to communicate throughout the day a lot of times but that communication of just like you know maybe it's even around the fillet table of just like yeah we were up here we saw this or the water oh, was yeah. really green or like it wasn't wasn't good where i was you know i mean that information well, is gold i agree you're eliminating areas where not to go yeah i mean that's as much of anything i mean if you if if you're a great fisherman that's been or a great guy that's been guiding for 20 years and you get in an area where the water looks good, the bait's there, you're going to catch some fish. But you're, you're, if you're, you make you're, a 60-mile run into an area where, for whatever reason, the water quality's not good or you're not finding what you're looking for, I mean, I don't care how good you are. It's not That's not where the fish are. They, they've moved out of there or it's not right. happening. And just a little bit of information could have put you, you know, or, or at least eliminated that area. It, it is funny to mess with each other too. So like I got a couple of guys will call each other and get each other friends and be like, Oh dude, you don't want to go here. It's so epic. And I'm like, uh, I'll mess up. <laughs> Hold on. I'm running in a bad reception. And then I'll just like hang up on them. And I'm like, come on, don't do that to me. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that it's really good is how bad they, how bad your friend tells you it is. Oh man. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, you don't want to go over there. I mean, it is gross and the water's green i haven't seen a fish there but you, they watched you leave the marina and go in that direction three days in a row now they're not that oh, yeah. dumb <laughs> yeah no it, it, it is like no i i, I usually come off of it like with my close friends but you know one thing i did i have learned in the social media and even people are like where are you catching this at where are you catching that i'm like i can't tell you dude because i'm gonna go there the next day if i'm on like a program of tuner permit last thing i want to do is some days you'll get like 30 people that'll be like, yo, where them tuna at? And you're like, so I'm going to tell 30 people that are going to tell more people. And then I'm just going to be paddling boats. I just tell them like, why don't you book a trip or figure it out? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can, you can book or, or you can plan your social media out to where your, 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 every post is from about 60 days ago. Yeah. I I usually just go daily. I don't even care anymore. It's like, if if people want to like, by the time they catch me on like what I'm on, I'm kind of on to something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of keep it going, but it does kind of make it fun. And, and honestly, what I've learned is it does keep people engaged. They're like, what do you got next week? Cause you're catching those. I want to book next week or, or be like, Oh, I could take you out this afternoon. Cause I got a morning trip and they're like, all right, perfect. You know? Yeah. But the nice thing is where I'm at, you got, you know, St. Pete, you got Bradenton, you got Anna Maria, you got Longboat, you got Sarasota. You got, I got a lot of people from Lakeland, Florida. So you got a big diverse, you know, circle and you get, I have a lot of tourism, but also I have a lot of local clients as well. Yeah. That, that have been awesome friends too. And even, you know, obviously with the holiday season, one of them's like, Hey, you're coming to my Christmas party. I don't care if you want to go, you're going. I'm like, all right, I'll go, you know? So and and that that going into what we even talked earlier is like some of the relationships you have with those clients and customers, some turn into family and close friends, like sure. by some of the experiences you've had with them or days or trips or I mean Oh yeah, man. Fishing guides uh have a have a there's a really interesting relationship with 
a lot of these people. And a lot of these people are like CEOs of big companies. And, and in a lot of cases, I found like, I was kind of like, you know, I don't, I wonder why this guy is being so friendly. And when you really, after you get to know him for, you know, 10 or 15 years, you're like, you know, this guy doesn't have very many friends because everyone he talks to wants something from him. Yeah. Right. He's a big, powerful person. Everyone yeah. wants to do a deal or do this or do that. And I may be the only person besides his wife or someone that is trying to do something good for him. Right. Correct. Yeah. And that I is such that. a weird, like little, little kind of thing that you have going on, this dynamic between a it's fishing a, guide a very... and, and there's this big CEO type person is like, you're the only one that's really interested in, are you having a good time? Are you, are we doing what you want to do? How Correct. can I help you? Because yeah. everybody else is kind of like, can you help me? To well, they, everybody wants, or they don't like their job. I mean, you know, like everybody thinks like being a dentist or a doctor is great because they make good money, but like think about how much schooling they had. And like, when you really get into that, and then you've got to be hunched over and working on somebody and they're having a bad day. When we get them on the boat, they want to have a great day. Yes. So, and that, that like even one of my good customers, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, He'll get all emotional sometimes. He's like, he's like, I love you, big dog. Give me a hug. I'd be like, he'd be like, man, you don't just take me fishing. You make memories for these people that they'll never forget in their lifetime. And that that's cool. I mean, that's that's what being a fishing guide's all about, right there, man. It's all it about is. catching. I mean, that's where some people get off track early in their career. Is like they're out there trying to catch the world record. They're out there trying to catch the biggest fish. They're trying to catch this or that or or be the best one on the dock when they get back. And they're not thinking about. You know, in in the pursuit of trying to catch the the most wahoo anybody's ever caught in the day, I wore these people out so much that we took a great day and made it really not a great day for them. You made it was a great day for me because we caught eighteen wahoo, but they didn't have a good time. They they stopped having a good time after four. And yeah, now, they're like Can we, you you. And it's funny, some like it's amazing. You're like having a great day, and you'll look over like, what do you guys want to do? Like, can we just do something different? I'm like, all right, uh, let me see what I can pull out of the rabbit hat now. All right, I guess I'll run this way and try this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's what they want to do, you know? That's Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. I always check in with my customers, even when they're, like, getting seasick or whatever. Maybe, like, everybody good? Or do you guys want to go deeper? Do you guys want to go in? And, and like, sometimes, like, this is kind of a pretty awesome story. Uh, these people that have become amazing friends they fish with me a bunch. It's like a husband and wife, and they got some trends they'll bring on and stuff like that. So we got lucky and caught an 87.9-pound black grouper. Dang. But the thing is, we, we ran to the spot, and I was like, all right, guys, be ready. There's some giant fish here. There's some giant. We keep getting broke off. There's big blacks. There's a lot of red snapper. So we pull up. You know, every job, everybody's catching, like, nice 15-pound red snapper. And then my buddy, he's, like, six foot five, hooks it. And it's on a Speedmaster uh 16 i actually got the rod right here i'll show you real quick and it's a it's actually my dad's it's my dad's old coonan rod really? it's a graphite rod oh that's so, so this cool. i mean this one's a little accurate real but it was on a speedmaster 16 so dude hooks it and i'm like battle that thing i was like that's that big black so he's like working it working it working it and then my mate kind of he hands the rod off to my mate and he finished it off and we like netted it and Everybody's like, why would you net that? Because I got that giant turtle net I have to bring on the boat. So we netted the 87, or like, it was like 88, let's say 88 pounds, whatever. Uh, got in the boat, and like, so we already had our limber red snapper. We got this giant black on the boat. And then we're like kind of creeping in the next spot. It kind of was emotional for me because I was like, that was on my dad's rod. We got lucky as can be. It was like on a 60-pound leader, you know, 60-pound top shot, and ate a live thread fin. You know, nice. just like one of those luck of the deal. Yeah. But those that memory like we, we we went to the other we went to another wreck and we're catching some amberjack i'm like what are we doing i was like we already got more meat than we can have i was like you guys want to go in they're like yeah let's go in so we just ran in after that and and then we like went over to a friend's house waited and cooked up the fish and you know had like a little barbecue you know i'll do that for some of my real good clients or i'll bring them to a restaurant and kind of tie in the whole day and the trip and People love that. They love kind it. of going that 
the little bit extra, you know, you'll sit down, you know, I'll bring the food to the restaurant. They'll do like a cook your catch and, you know, talk about what went down and all that good yeah, stuff. But in yeah. 10 years, that guy's going to be telling the, the story and he's going to say, we went out, we caught this awesome fish. And then we went to his friend's house and weighed it and had this barbecue. And then there's going to be this giant story about this barbecue, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> never mind, <clears throat> never mind all the other fish that you caught and all the other things that you saw. It's like, we caught this fish and then we went to this barbecue. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what they remember. Um, so we're, we're starting to run out of time a little bit. Tell me again yeah. about the date and the time of of this, uh, of the Artificial Reef Project. Yeah, so it's going to be April 21st. Uh, it's going to be at the community center. This is like the first actual real event I've done for this project. Um, I've done a couple of the uh, local, you know, seafood fests. I did the Stone Crab Fest recently and stole, sold some shirts and some people donated to the uh, GoFundMe for Soul Man, and uh, it was cool. I got my kids involved, so they were like hanging out of the booth. I'm like, you know, I have two daughters that are they just turned four and seven oh, in November, wow. so they're fired up. And like, she was helping me like bag shirts, and those are the know, best models you'll have. You put put a hat on them and have them walk around, and people will be buying those hats left and right. Uh, and they got like the straight blonde hair. Even my buddy's like, "Dude, you got straight Targaryen princesses." I'm like, <laughs> I know. It's like so so blonde that's like silver. I'm actually gonna go have lunch with my oldest here at twelve. So meet her at the little. She gets all excited. Like, you know, I'll get the little, you know, the badge, and we'll walk outside. Sometimes I'll just get the school lunch where she feels oh, yeah. cool. Like all her oh, friends that's are the like, best, dude. That's the best. I've got a little girl too, and it is the best. I have two boys too, and they are they're pretty cool. Also, but, you <laughs> it's know, so funny but, how different boys are than so girls. Different. Girl. I mean, when they're that age. The boys just want to kick you in the nuts and wrestle. And then yeah. you have like, at the, then, then, so I had two boys first and then my daughter. And then it's like, you're expecting to get kicked in the nuts. And she's just like, sweet, the greatest, sweetest thing in the whole world. It's the greatest time ever. You enjoy that right. time because oh, it, yeah. it, it does, it does uh, go away, you know? And isn't, and isn't it funny how like we could be like hardcore and manly and this and that. But that little girl says, Daddy, I love you, or can we do this? And you're like, absolutely. Of course we can. <laughs> yes. I spoil, I, like, that's like my number one goal in life is to make sure they're spoiled and happy. I mean, and try to show them the, my lifestyle and have fun with it. But it's well, cool to. You know, the other thing, too, about having the boys first and then having my daughter is that the boys, they also, like, if we gotten on one of those bites like you're talking about, they're going to stay until the sun goes down and you cannot stop fishing. Like they will not stop. But my daughter, you know, we get out there, we, we pull up to the spot. She catches a permit or something. And, and she's like, I'm good. Bring any food. And you're like, yeah, (laughs) sure. We, We have a little sandwich or something. And she goes, well, how long do you normally stay out here? It's like, how long do you want to stay out here? And she goes, well, yeah. I think I'm good. And you're back yeah. at the dock at about 1045. And she's had a <laughs> yeah. wonderful day. And then you go eat lunch. It's like the greatest ever. I love it. Um, yeah. So good. Well, enjoy that time. So if people wanted to uh, learn more about this, if they want to go to this place uh, or to this fundraiser and this event, um, how do they get in touch with you? Well, like, uh, I mean, Instagram is always a good way. People contact so Instagram. Uh, it's Captain Jason Stock. At Captain Jason Stock. At Captain yeah. All Written Out? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and then uh, I got my personal phone number. If they want to, you know, text me or call me, they can do that. Um, I can give you that information. Okay. I, yeah. We'll put it in the notes. And uh, if, if people want to go to this and then. And again. also I got the website for my personal charter business and uh, the, the Reef Project. I can send you as well. Okay. So. We're going to finish. I usually do this at the beginning, but okay. we're going to finish. You remember that show, $10,000 Pyramid? Do you remember that? You might be too. No. Well, anyway, yeah. they ask a series of questions as fast as you can answer them. And okay. some of them are funny. Some of them are not funny. And uh, <laughs> anyway, usually I do it at the beginning with the guest just okay. to kind of get to know them and let people get to know them. But we're going to try it at the end today. So we're okay. going to ask a, a series of questions. We may edit this down to where we don't use all of them, but... Uh, you're just going to answer them as, as quick as you can. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. One of your favorite bands. 
geez. Uh, I got too many. Just any of them. Uh, we'll just say Milky Chance is good. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Would you rather have a million now or 10 million later? Uh, 10 million later. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. One thing you're afraid of? Being alone. If you could snap your finger right now and have this, what skill would you choose to master? Uh, time. Gamakatsu, TMCO owner or must add? Must add. Office, friends, or parks and rec? Uh, parks and rec. One piece of technology you rely on heavily other than your phone? Uh, my GPS. Favorite fish? Uh, wahoo. Would you have a, ra- uh, a reptile as a pet? I did, yeah. <laughs> what was it, a snake? I had a snake and iguanas and stuff growing up. <laughs> uh, would you rather put a hook through your hand or cut yourself with a fillet knife? Cut myself with a fillet knife. Favorite, uh, well, coffee, tea, or energy drink? Uh, coffee. Mountains or beaches for vacation? Uh, beaches for sure. Cake or pie? Uh, cake. Would you rather have an encounter with a grizzly bear or free dive with sharks? Uh, grizzly bear. Spinning rod or conventional or fly? A spinning rod. Olympic, uh, winter Olympics or summer Olympics? Uh, winter Olympics. Favorite pro wrestler of all time? Hulk Hogan. If you could have a fishing themed superpower, what would it be? Uh, fly like a bird. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Inshore or offshore? Offshore. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Early bird or night owl? Both. <laughs> Best catch <laughs> in your career? Uh, 93-pound wahoo. Text or call? Text. A movie that makes you laugh? Uh, all the American pies or old school or all that, you know. Um, a place you'd like to visit? I'm going to go to Costa Rica again. Chocolate or vanilla? Uh, Vanilla. And last question, one piece of advice that has served you well? Uh, Listen to customer's feedback. Good. Right on. That served you well. You've you've built a great uh, you've built a great business, a great reputation. I've certainly heard a lot about you, and and it's been great to catch up here. We got to get out on the water and uh, let me know and go fishing. Yeah, let me know anytime. I mean, we got a cool fishery, and you know, I can show you a bunch of crazy stuff, and we'll have a good time. Like I usually like if I do like a a fun day, just do get a couple boys and you know maybe a pretty girl on the boat and go have fun. All about it, man. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Well, we have sounds like we have three pretty girls to choose from at least yeah. uh with our daughters and uh, yeah uh that would be awesome i'd love to bring her yeah she, for sure she man. Loves to fish all right man well thanks for doing this i appreciate it and good luck with your uh good luck with your event i'm will cooper host of hunt stands make your mark podcast For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.